great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hello, everyone. My name is Trent, but most of you know me as IT Guy, and welcome back to the Blockchain Gaming Podcast. And this episode is a special one, as I have two guests on to talk about the upcoming partnership between Coin Hunt World and Veriblock. I'm very excited to learn about Veriblock, so without any further ado, let's just jump right into it. Just, I have Justin and Max with me. How are you guys doing today? Uh, great, Trent. Thanks for having us on the show. We're super excited. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so just for the listeners' sake, um, let's start with Max. Why don't you just introduce yourself and describe yourself or describe the role you do over at uh, Veriblock? Sure. So I'm uh, Maxwell Sanchez. Uh, one of the Justin and I co-founded Veriblock together back in gosh 2015, um, and I primarily work on uh, the science, you know, game theory, incentive design, cryptography with Veriblock. Um, you know, we built out. Uh, our proof of proof protocol and you know spent years engineering all the, the consensus mechanisms behind it and uh, before that i worked with a project called curecoin uh, which i helped launch um, and i got i got involved in crypto probably back in late 2011 early 2012 uh, did a lot of work with uh you know running miners in the early days miner mm-hmm. management software uh, did some cloud mining service stuff um super small and then did CureCoin, which was a project that basically uh, rewarded people for doing for contributing computational power to Stanford's um, mm-hmm. folding a home project, uh, and I actually met Justin at a conference uh, in 2015, early 2015, in Miami, um, where I was there for CureCoin, mm-hmm. and he was uh, looking at a thinking about a, a project that was similar to CureCoin in some ways, and so we we kicked off a discussion about that and. You know, vetted it and decided uh, not to do that project, but we ended up um, coming up with an idea for uh, what we called at the time blockchain of custody, which was a data provenance solution based on Bitcoin. And we looked at that and we realized, hey, this is kind of a commodity, right? Um, you know, anyone can publish a, a hash of a Merkle tree to Bitcoin and, and improve data. Uh, so we decided to refocus and say, well, what, you know, it's, it's a really cool technology, but it's very, you know, commoditizable. So what if we did something unique and interesting with it? Uh, you know, what if we use that instead of just securing data? What if we were, what if we found a way to secure blockchains with that, right? Um, and so we spent a couple of years working on that. Um, we both partnered on the technology, uh, and then I worked on doing the, the nitty gritty of the implementation on the consensus side. Um, so yeah, ma- mainly on the, the technology side, and then also a little bit on the biz dev. Right on, um, Justin. What's uh, what's your role, and uh, <clears throat> how did uh, how did you actually get your start into crypto as well? Um, my, my foray into crypto goes back from my Linux roots. Um, uh, like my, that goes back to like the mid nineties, uh, aging myself a bit, but I've always been a big fan of, uh, Linux. So whenever I go to Barnes and Noble, I like to raid the, uh, magazine shelves mm-hmm. where I pick up my trusty copy of the uh, Linux world. And I read an article in there about Bitcoin. Um, and at the time I think it had like a $25 million market cap. Um, 
I don't remember the date, but I remember that Bitcoin Core, you could still mine with your CPU. So that's, that was my early foray. I thought it was just like, you know, magical internet money. So I, like everybody else, did not take it seriously. Like I kept dancing around it. I nudged some uh, business partners that I have. I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's one of these things where you want to go with other people. You didn't want to go down the rabbit hole by yourself. You're like, I don't know, this looks interesting here. Let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't, I couldn't get like momentum behind it. So that's probably around 11, 12. And then 13, I, one of the people that I've been talking to about getting involved and, hey, maybe let's do something around the space. He reached out to me and he's like, did you see what Bitcoin did? I'm like, what are you talking about? And that's when it had its big run yeah. uh, back in 13, kind of hit the radar. And then, you know, there was some people like Andreas Antonopoulos who were providing really good kind of more of a scientific perspective versus a marketing perspective around the project. Um, and then um, uh, so followed the market, tried to figure out, you know, how to play in the space. And, you know, you start sniffing around and bought some Bitcoin around 150 bucks mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to 600 and did some bottling <clears throat> and um, also got in the Ethereum ICO at around 17 and a half to a little less than 20 cents. But um, so that was my foray into the Bitcoin space. And then in 15, I attended a conference led by Mo Levin, uh, the North American Bitcoin conference, as, mm-hmm. as Max said. And um, I talked to this really bright young man, couldn't believe he was just a you know, senior in high school. Yeah. And there was a lot of smart people at the conference and they just kind of walked past them. Um, we connected after the show. Max wrote me this amazing, um, uh, almost like a white paper mm-hmm. um, on an idea that I pitched him. Long story short, that was the beginning of, of our interest together in the space. And we started kicking around ideas. And, um, you know, Max, I think he's being a little humble. Um, he, does, he, he does far more than science. Uh, he's does biz dev. I mean, he touches every aspect of the company. He's now 25. We started together when he was 18. And um, his, his exposure to the business world is second to none. He's had, he's had the opportunity to work with, you know, tier one players in the space like Matthew Rozak, the founder of CoinHunt World, uh, Bill Shahara. So, you know, I've seen him tackle a, a complex science in the blockchain space to advising other projects. Um, and his, his understanding of legal entity structures, tax matters, um, and then, of course, regulatory aspects and, and you know, how to navigate this uncertain uh, field. Uh, I'm deeply impressed with, I, I, think, I think, considering his age and the exposure that he's had, um, working with the caliber of people who've got that experience, um, I think, he, I think we're just beginning to see the tip of the iceberg of, of that, which is the Maxwell Sanchez. I think he's going to be a big deal. So. Yeah. That's, that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, no, that's incredibly impressive. And, uh, <laughs> I just, I kind of want to know how the, uh, how the partnership between, uh, you guys and coin hunt world actually came about. Um, I mean, obviously Bill Shahara founded Bitrex. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually met Bill back at one of our first conferences. Bill was speaking on a panel. It was like a conference within a conference. And, um, we were with Flip Filipowski, uh, who was kind of one of our early uh, benefactors and believers in, in the two of us as a, as a team. Um, super connected guy. One of, the, one of the early big names that came into Bitcoin and kind of helped legitimize it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got us into this conference. And uh, it was, like I said, the conference within the conference, Bill was speaking. And somebody had dropped out. 
And at the last minute, uh, you know, Flip arranged to have Max sit down in the panel. And he goes on a soliloquy for like 10 minutes about ZK Snarks. And everybody on the stage is like, who the hell is this kid, you know? And, and Bill was on stage. And afterwards, we all had dinner and the rest is history. That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's really cool. And, yeah. But that's so how what? we met Bill. It, yep. it, it, that's how we met Bill. He had the exchange. We all understood the value of protecting against 51% attacks, which we'll get into mm-hmm. the project. But that's where the relationship with Bill was built. And through that relationship and as an investor in Veriblock, um, you know, it's awesome having a partner like that. But we all kind of grew up together in the space because we were, you know, we were, we were just all starting out. Mm-hmm. So to see where things are now, you know, five years later, is just mind-blowing. It's yeah. mind-blowing. But that, that's, that, that was it. I mean, we had a relationship with Bill. So that's, you know, he's, he's a friend and a partner and likes the project, likes the technology, likes the team. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, so why don't we just jump into uh, Veriblock? So why don't you just shed some light on what Veriblock actually is, like the, the satellite view, I guess you could, you could say of it. <laughs> Max, why don't you jump on that one? Sure. So um, probably a lot of your, you know, your, your audience is pretty technical. A lot of them have probably heard of uh, 51% attacks or double spends. Uh, so just to give a, a super, super high-level uh, overview a double spend is basically when somebody rewrites the history of a blockchain and changes the transactions that are considered canonical or legitimate, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I send you, you know, at noon, if I send you, you know, one Bitcoin and then I 51% attack Bitcoin, you know, say I'm buying a, a car from you, right? And you sell me a car, I send you Bitcoin um, and, you know, you wait an hour for it to confirm or 30 minutes or whatever, a couple block confirmations. Uh, and then you, um, you know, you accept that the Bitcoin's actually yours now, right? You release the car to me. And then double spend would be, uh, I go and I mine a bunch of alternative Bitcoin blocks and kind of replace that history that happened over the last hour with an alternative version of the history that the network accepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that alternative history, I happen to not send you <laughs> the, uh, the Bitcoin for that car, right? Mm-hmm. I instead, you know, I sent it to myself so you can't like reintroduce that transaction to the network because it conflicts with another uh, transaction that I intentionally created so that you couldn't do that. Um, and so that's, that's a double spend attack. And it happens, you know, back when we started Veriblock, the idea of a 51% attack was purely theoretical, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone knew it was possible mathematically, but no one had actually done it or you know, done it on a, a, a blockchain of any appreciable size or value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we started Veriblock, um, when we really got serious about Veriblock, which is probably like early 16, late 15, um, you know, there weren't any double spends, but we knew this was going to be an issue in the future. We knew this was something that was just a matter of time until a lot of these, you know, smaller chains, but still not super small, right? But a lot of these smaller chains uh, would start to get attacked. And so, you know, the, there's, the, the industry tried to solve this in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, the, the economic actors who are vulnerable to 51% attacks, namely like exchanges are, are the primary target. Um, you know, a lot of them would try to mitigate 51% attacks by increasing uh, deposit confirmation times, but that's just kind of a, a probabilistic or, you know, an economic um, incentive decision, which which doesn't always work out, right? And like mm-hmm. we saw in uh, last year, I think it was August, uh, Ethereum Classic got 51% attack three times in mm-hmm. one month. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the person who was able to attack that used, you know, nice hash, hash rate rental services, um, to acquire a lot, a lot of mining power, um, and they were able to successfully do a series of double spend attacks uh, and stole, you know, several million dollars from exchanges collectively. 
And you know, the exchange's response to that was either to completely uh, disable deposits, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you know, if the chain can get rewritten for a week or two weeks of history, then is it really safe? Uh, and then other exchanges who still want to accept deposits uh, changed the confirmation time to you know insane periods <laughs> of time, like two weeks to a month. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't the first one. Uh, you know, back in I forget the year, but I want to say 2018, uh, Bitcoin Gold got 51% attack. They stole about $18 million from an exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, while all this is going on, we're, we've already started on Veriblock, we're developing it. Um, and a lot of the, you know, other solutions that projects were proposing, like, say, proof of stake, for example, uh, you know, none of these consensus protocols are, are impervious to 51% attacks. It just kind of changes the economics, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, Double spend attacks are a, a proof of work issue, right? It's proof of work chains with regular, you know, you mine with GPUs or ASICs or whatever. Um, but proof of stake has the, the exact same issue. It's just, you know, you have to acquire um, a lot of staking power. And uh, a lot of these protocols, you know, when you, when you go into the proof of stake world, you're no longer tied to like real world physics. Right. And so with this proof of stake consensus, uh, you have, or, you know, any of the other non hardware based consensus protocols. You have, um, you know, weak subjectivity, which means that you have to, you know, maintain uh, synchronization with the network uh, in, in real time, so to speak. You know, you can't disconnect from the network and reconnect a year from now and be able to uh, completely validate the chain, right? You need that kind of community consensus around it uh, because someone can do uh, a long range attack where they use really old wallets that, you know, people don't even own anymore. Maybe they used to own years ago and they have the private keys to whatever and build this alternative version or history of the, the protocol. And there's a lot of other weird exploits with, you know, grinding nonces to manipulate the, you know, the uh, validator selection process. And, and those attacks depend on the, the flavor of proof of stake that's being used. But fundamentally, you know, proof of stake is not a solution to the problem. It's an alternative approach to consensus that, you know, mm -hmm. still has uh, the ability to be overwritten, to be double spent. And so what we, what we do with Veriblock is we develop kind of a generic uh, solution for double spends for any chain, regardless of whether consensus protocol is. And so if you have a chain that produces blocks in any fashion, whether it be proof of work or proof of stake or delegated proof of stake or proof of capacity or proof of space time or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, as long as you have a chain where there's blocks that people achieve preliminary agreement on just based on the underlying consensus protocol, proof of proof reinforces that consensus up to Bitcoin, right? So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned briefly, we started with a project called Blockchain Custody, and the idea mm -hmm. with that is... You know, if I have a legal document, for example, or footage from a police lapel camera or whatever, I can take a, a cryptographic hash or fingerprint of that, and I can publish that to Bitcoin. And then if, if even, you know, one pixel of that image or one, you know, character in that PDF or one, you know, any, any little piece of data that's changed, the cryptographic fingerprint is going to be completely different and mm -hmm. you could tell that it's been modified, right? Uh, so Veriblock takes that same kind of idea and then uses that to secure blockchains themselves. So each blockchain you can think of, you know, if I have a, a Litecoin uh, daemon running on my computer, right? The blockchain, as Litecoin views it, is defined as, you know, the, the list of blocks starting with the Genesis block and ending with the most recent block on the main chain of the network. And that defines the full set of transactions which are valid. And anything not in that is, you know, not part of the canonical chain. It's not a, an accepted transaction. Mm -hmm. And so the you can you can look at a blockchain and basically define all the data in that blockchain just by the most recent block, because every block is cryptographically linked to the previous blocks, right? So if I tell you, hey, I'm on block 1000, here's the hash, 
then I, I don't have to give you the full blockchain to verify that we're in agreement on you know which which chain of blocks is is the legitimate chain. And so Veriblock takes uh, introduces a new form of mining called uh, proof of proof mining or POP mining, mm-hmm. where people instead of you know mining with an ASIC or a GPU or whatever, uh, you know burning electricity and doing computations, they're instead taking that that state data, kind of that summary of the blockchain's current state, and they're publishing that to a more secure chain. So in our case, uh, we have the Veriblock blockchain, which does proof of proof mining up to the Bitcoin blockchain. And so if you were to perform a double spend attack on Veriblock, what you would have to do is you would have to both simultaneously attack Veriblock and Bitcoin itself. And then we mm-hmm. extend that to other chains so they can secure themselves to Veriblock. Veriblock in turn secure to Bitcoin. And so that means that the chain that all, all the chains that adopt Veriblock for security are now secured by Bitcoin. And so we have something which we'll probably go into a little bit more detail in later called uh, VBFI or the Veriblock Bitcoin Finality Indicator. Okay. Uh, which is kind of, you can think of it like a, a different type of confirmations, right? And so if you, you know, if, if I send you Dogecoin, you're going to wait a number of confirmations on the network before you consider it, you know, finalized, right? Mm-hmm. With VBFI, it does the same thing, but what, what your transactions are getting is Bitcoin confirmations. And so if I send, if, you know, Dogecoin used Veriblock for security, then my Dogecoin transaction, you know, I'm in exchange saying someone deposits uh, Dogecoin. I, I, I see the transaction coming in. I see you get into a block in the Dogecoin uh, network. And then uh, over time, as people do these uh, proof of proof publications from Dogecoin up to Veriblock and Veriblock up to Bitcoin, that transaction starts getting Bitcoin confirmations as well, which means that, you know, if you have a Dogecoin transaction with three Bitcoin confirmations, mm-hmm. you would have to attack and double spend. You'd have to spend more effort than it would take to double spend just Bitcoin alone because you have to double spend Dogecoin, the Veriblock blockchain and Bitcoin simultaneously. Right. Uh, and so as an exchange, you could accept that on par with Bitcoins. So you could say... Hmm. We usually wait for three Bitcoin confirmations, so we're going to wait for you know for actual Bitcoin deposited for the exchange. Uh, so we're going to use three um, Bitcoin confirmations through the Veriblock Bitcoin Finality Indicator for this chain that uses Veriblock for security. And then they know once they accept that deposit, it's as secure as a transaction on Bitcoin itself. Wow. Okay. Um. So it it sounds like it's um like Veriblock acts as a as a security layer. Well, sorry, a security layer, right? Yeah, we, we, we often refer to it as like a security aggregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have this yeah, security layer, like you have this this intermediate security aggregation layer that you know one of the one of the cool things, um, and this is why cryptography in blockchain is so fun, right? Mm-hmm. Is you can represent huge amounts of data with you know these tiny cryptographic um, verifications, right? Like I can hash a million gigabytes of data together and, and give you a 32 byte hash that represents right. all that, right? Yeah. And so because of that, that cool cryptographic magic, if you will, Veriblock can take tons of blockchains that can have, you know, 10 gigabyte blocks if they wanted, not that I recommend that, <laughs> um, but it can take all that data and summarize it really succinctly up to Bitcoin. And so you can have, you know, right now Bitcoin can process, you know, seven transactions a second, right? In practice, yeah. it's really more like five, four mm-hmm. to five. Um, Seven is like the best case if you're you're just you know one input one output transaction, mm-hmm. which is rarely if ever the case. Um, but now with with uh, proof of proof and chains securing themselves through bare block to Bitcoin, you know Bitcoin's hashing power instead of securing seven transactions a second, it can secure a million transactions a second. Right? They're not all Bitcoin confirmations, but they're all operating under that same security umbrella that that Bitcoin creates. And you know we see Bitcoin as kind of less of a a currency or you know payment mechanism and more of really it. it Ultimately, it's the world's best 
uh, form of digital proof, right? Mm -hmm. If you put data on Bitcoin, it, it ain't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we use that property because most blockchains don't have that ability. You know, they have one tenth or one hundredth or one millionth of mining power of Bitcoin, or they have proof of stake and that has its own issues, right? And so mm -hmm. um, all these other blockchains that have less security than Bitcoin, um, you know, now we can reinforce the entire ecosystem with Bitcoin security. And so it makes Bitcoin more green um, because, you know, Bitcoin's uh, electrical consumption is being amortized over, you know, orders of magnitude more transactions potentially. Hmm. Um, so I just want to stay like to stay on the technical side here quickly i just want to unpack proof of proof um so could you just give me like a um like the like i don't know the basics of what you what you guys have going on with proof of proof yeah definitely so okay justin i was gonna what i was gonna do max is just kind of give a, a bird's eye view and then if you can unpack it then people could get kind of a clearer understanding so yeah, one, one of the if, if you look at the concept of proof of work in bitcoin um you know in summary people compete, you know, to solve a problem, to make a block, right? For the, for the, they, they compete to make a block and earn a reward. What proof of proof does is uh, it, the proof of proof miners compete to get in the block and earn the reward, right? So they're, 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 they're competing for block space, but they're using the native currency of the coin that they're inheriting security from. In the case of AeroBlock, it's Bitcoin. So, one of the principles that we want to adhere to, um, and again, if this is an overlap, I uh, apologize to the audience, but we coined the term DTTP, a decentralized, trustless, transparent, and permissionless. Mm -hmm. Those are the, you know, the four legs of immutability that underpin Bitcoin, and which, which makes Bitcoin great. Uh, you'll hear people like Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon, they say there's nothing behind Bitcoin, doesn't do anything. Um, we... We, we have an opposing view, and that is that uh, in a world where digital artifacts you know, are literally being created by the picosecond, mm -hmm. um, you know, the ability to provide digital proof, uh, especially with the advent of NFTs and things like that, uh, title transfers, I mean, the, the, the implications are profound uh, and the efficiencies are profound that are gained through um, what Bitcoin can offer. So we see the utility of Bitcoin as utility of proof. Mm -hmm. And that instead of blockchains competing against Bitcoin, they can work with Bitcoin and we have scalability in an ecosystem through trees of chains instead of everything trying to be under one umbrella. Um, so, for example, if, if I'm dating myself again, but back in the 90s when the Internet was kind of coming to life, uh, companies like AOL, CompuServe and Prodigy mm -hmm. were all competing to be the the metaverse, if you will, mm -hmm. of the internet. Mm -hmm. And it was inevitably supplanted by, um, uh, you know, people getting the freedom of a browser without censorship. And mm -hmm. uh, we saw the advent of the explosion of, you know, dial-up ISPs and, and AOL went to, the, uh, uh, went, went to go die. So <laughs> when, when you see it, I see, we see a similar trend in, in, um, uh, across all technology, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we left the mainframe, everybody had a computer, then we had the network, and then everybody reconsolidated back under silos again, right? So they gain their freedom and then they, are, they, they get corralled back into silos uh, because of features. So, for example, your Facebooks, your Twitters, right? So we see this, um, this consolidation and these silos where you're, you're kind of like stuck within that ecosystem. So we're, see we're seeing um, 
transaction scalability, again, through trees of chains where chains can specialize in providing certain utilities or value to its constituents um, based on their rules and parameters without their fees being affected by CryptoKitties, NFTs, and the like. Mm-hmm. So when you have an economic system where I'm trying to sell my artifact, my token, and it's going to, you know, it's a 10 cent token and it's going to cost me a dollar to move it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a scalable model, right? You're, you're frozen or you've got to do, you know, uh, you, you have to get into these creative solutions. And fundamentally, um, we see scalability through trees of chains. You can't have too many things under one blanket because they're going to be affected by the others and the economics start to break down a little bit. That's, so that's kind of what we see. But that's the high level. So people compete with proof of proof. People compete to get in the block. Um, <clears throat> prior to our launch in 2019, uh, we've got the data. It's quite interesting. There's a good YouTube video we presented in um, uh, January of 2020 at uh, North American Bitcoin Conference. And we shared all of our statistics. But one of the key ones that we thought was fascinating was <clears throat> when our launch when our launch occurred, there was so much enthusiasm that at peak, uh, Veriblock was responsible for nearly 50% of the world's Bitcoin transactions. Wow. And that's just coming out of our network. So it's kind of, we think it's one of the like, we think proof of proof is, um, we'll, we'll talk more about the roadmap, but we think proof of proof is quite innovative. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. It's, it's, it's simple in concept, but it was very complicated to do the uh, science and build it. Mm-hmm. Max, what would, what would you want to do at a low level? Want to offer some low level feedback on that? Yeah, so definitely uh, diving a little bit more into you know, what proof of proof actually is and how it works. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it is a new form of mining. And so people who are doing uh, pop mining, say, you know, between Veriblock to Bitcoin, just as an example, you know, they're, they're publishing uh, what we call like security transactions or security publications up to Bitcoin of the state of the Veriblock network. And then when they do that successfully and they bring back a kind of a receipt that proves that they published that data to Bitcoin, when they bring that back to the Veriblock network, they're able to collect a bounty for doing that, right? And so like Justin mentioned, um, you know, with proof of work, people are competing to create a block. With proof of mm-hmm. proof, people are competing to publish data uh, about the state of another chain to a, a highly secure chain like Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they all, share and, and split that reward, that bounty that's offered up for that, that period of time. And so, you know, on Veriblock, we have a, a 30 second block time. Um, and so every 30 seconds, there's there on average, there's a new block on the network that has updated state information, new transactions. And what pop miners do is they look at, you know, how many other people are doing pop mining? How many people did it recently? What's the bounty for this new block that came out? And, you know, not to dive too much into the game theory, but for various reasons, some of the blocks have different uh, rewards for publishing them because they're they're more or less valuable to uh, the security of the chain itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these pop miners will take that state, they'll publish it up to Bitcoin in a transaction. So Bitcoin, uh, a lot of people have heard of op return, mm-hmm. which is basically just a way to embed 80 bytes of arbitrary data, up to 80 bytes of arbitrary data in a Bitcoin transaction. Uh, and so we use that as the the, the repository for this this Veriblock consensus information. So we take the Veriblock header, uh, you know, 16 bytes of the miners payout information so that they can collect, you know, the person who paid for the Bitcoin transaction is the one who collects the bounty, right? Um, and we stuff all that, um, well, the pop miner stuffs all that into an op return on Bitcoin, sends that to the Bitcoin network, pays a fee that's competitive with the current fee market. Uh, and then once it gets confirmed in a Bitcoin block, they create this uh, mathematical proof that it's in Bitcoin, just, you know, uh, authenticated to the, the Bitcoin block header with Merkle path, and they bring that back to Veriblock. 
that gets uh, propagated over the Veriblock network and gets embedded into the Veriblock blockchain. And so you can kind of think of the Veriblock blockchain as having like an SPV level consensus view of Bitcoin um, at any point in time and being able to verify its own state for fork resolution. So if Veriblock, if someone tries to do a reorganization on Veriblock, the consensus protocol references those publications and decides which chain to accept. Hmm. And so uh, because these publications are public information and contain kind of the geometry, if you will, of the Veriblock blockchain, you can look just at the POP transactions on Bitcoin and you can determine what the canonical uh, Bitcoin, uh, Veriblock blockchain is. Um, and you could also determine whether there's anyone actively doing an attack because if someone wanted to attack Veriblock, they would have to do proof of proof publications of the private chain they're building. So normally when you do a 51% attack, uh, you build a chain offline that nobody knows about and then mm -hmm. you release it to the network and it rewrites you know, minutes, hours, days worth of uh, transaction history, right? With Veriblock, if you were to build that private chain to attack the network, you would have to do publications up to Bitcoin announcing your attacking chain. Mm. Otherwise, when you actually release your fork, it, the, the network would reject it because it doesn't have those publications in Bitcoin that are in lockstep with the main network. Mm. And so it, it creates what we call early attack detection or EAD, uh, which basically gives everybody real-time view of all the possible uh, chains on the Veriblock network. Obviously, normally that's just one you know, the main canonical chain with your occasional orphan just due to network latency. But if someone's actually, you know, doing a coordinated attack, that would show up in real time as they produce that chain on Bitcoin. And then that would delay the VBFI confirmations until that attack is either, uh, successful, which it's not really successful, quote unquote, um, because everybody saw the attack happen. So they didn't confirm any transactions. They knew that there was a contentious network situation. Mm -hmm. um, so exchanges wouldn't, you know, accept your deposits and let you trade it for another crypto or whatever. Um, and then in the absence of an attack, which is, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, you can mathematically prove that there's not an attack occurring just by looking at the data on Bitcoin. And so other chains that are doing proof of proof to secure themselves to Veriblock are doing the exact same process, but at, at one layer lower. And so their chains, uh, their proof of proof miners are spending Veriblock coins to pay to, you know, bid in the Veriblock um, mempool, right? The, the, the Veriblock fee, fee market. Um, and when they publish the all-chain data to Veriblock, then they do the same thing that they, that they do when they're Veriblock to Bitcoin. They create that mathematical construction. They deliver that back to the security inheriting chain, uh, the all-chain that's using Veriblock for security. And its own, uh, you know, that, that local all-chain is then keeping uh, internal track of both Bitcoin and Veriblock consensus at an SPV level. And then you reference that with their own publications that they know are in the Veriblock chain to then derive that, that same, uh, those same security benefits. Okay. Um, so I just want to switch directions a little bit and talk about um, the roadmap. Um, so I've, I've been on your guys' website um, and I've seen this very hilarious graphic <laughs> um, of, your, of, your, of your roadmap. Um, but I just want to know kind of what, what, what have you guys been working on in the past, I don't know, couple months? And what does the end goal of mainnet look like to you guys? At a high level, we've got a lot of exciting initiatives. We've been, um, when we came out of the IEO, um, one of the things that we recognized early on was that, you know, we were engaging projects that showed an interest in, um, uh, you know, kind of using the network, joining the, joining the ecosystem and getting that 51% attack protection. Mm -hmm. But what we realized is that it wasn't efficient, right? Like we would have had to like have this extraordinary team working across multiple projects with, you know, different, um, 
uh, aspects to each and every one. So we saw we saw quickly that you know, gosh, um, it'd be much better if we had like some core libraries and kind of we we called it we turned the the term uh, the Veriblock All Chain Integration Factory. And the mm-hmm. idea was uh, starting with Bitcoin as the so anything that was born of the Bitcoin species. Uh, is now, uh, right now, we're finishing what's called Bitcoin Squared. We'll let Max go into that. But what we did is we, over the course of the last two and a half years, we have uh, painstakingly built out um, uh, millions of dollars worth of code, mm-hmm. um, all in C++. Um, that's been, you know, we're, we're heavily beta testing and auditing, and we kind of been reference implementation at the same time. So now we have, you know, an end-to-end product, um, that's going to allow other blockchains to come in and quickly and easily adopt Veriblock. So it's one of these things where we, um, we stopped, you know, tied our shoes so we could run. And we're coming out of that stage right now um, with the advent of the launching of a project. We, we, we've, we've taken our reference implementation. We've written all these wonderful libraries. Now projects can easily adopt our technology in days instead of months. Mm. Um, and Right now, we're an incentivized testnet for Bitcoin. We're, we're coining the term Bitcoin squared because it's basically Bitcoin uh, wrapped in Vera block secured by Bitcoin. And the, the community's uh, showing a lot of excitement around it. Um, we've got a lot of interesting statistics that uh, Tim Stahl, who's our chief development officer, uh, has been sharing publicly. Mm-hmm. And we'll get some more of that, some of that, more of that out. And it's quite fascinating when you look at the number of transactions that um, are exploding since the advent of, of, of uh, our testnet launching. Additionally, uh, so the first piece was, you know, we had to build out these libraries so that we could uh, scale more easily. Right. And we've also, we've also been slowly um, uh, curating uh, what we're calling the Veriblock Select Program. And this is an initiative driven by our foundation, uh, which is based in the Cayman Islands, wherein we try to take advantage of relationships that we've cultivated in the industry. Um, you know, again, people like Bill Shamara, uh, you know, he's a notable, notable person in the space, thought leader, obviously uh, very successful in his own right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, projects that adopt us that, you know, we think are, you know, decent projects, you know, we can, we can help them with more than just security. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you've got Bitcoin level security, well, then it's easier to get listed on exchanges, um, that look for and track our BFI indicator that Max mentioned, the Bitcoin finality indicator. So now projects get special privileges, right? So if a project lists Bitrex, they have, um, we're in the final stages of implementing the Bitcoin finality indicator. Uh, traditionally, when a project um, is an exchange, when you make a deposit, you have to wait a series of confirmations. You'll hear new people come in. They're like, how come I can't use my money yet, et cetera. Well, some of the smaller, less secure chains, they might have to wait, you know, 4,000 blocks, 400 blocks, mm-hmm. 50 blocks on their native chain because the exchange wants to make sure that they don't suffer a double spend attack. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, if it's secured by Veriblock, they basically can be almost in lockstep with Bitcoin confirmations. So you're getting, even though you're an alt chain, that might have a market cap, 
your deposits for your users are being treated mm-hmm. with the same seam that Bitcoin is treated with. And that's a really interesting feature mm-hmm. um, that, that lends itself to a community and adds value to that project, right? So being on exchanges and then getting faster confirmations in lockstep nearly with Bitcoin, it's a huge advantage. And then, of course, you get better security. So we saw that and we said, let's build out the select program. And we've got all sorts of things. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but we want to create you know, many incentives to assist projects with adoption. And then after the adoption, we want to help curate those projects and get them more exposure. You know, like we'll drop a press release. Um, we'll do things to help raise awareness around the technology. And the cool part is when they, when they do adopt their technology, their community uh, just as a side note, their community is given a whole new way to mine. So with proof of proof, it's, it's a software activity. It's not a hardware activity. So you're mining uh, by reusing your Veriblock or Bitcoin, depending on you know, which, which project you're securing or popping for. Hmm. So you know, that's a novel, that's a new, new form of mining that your community hadn't had before. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you've got ways for other people to participate and help help get involved in their project and earn you know crypto for doing so mm-hmm. uh, without having specialized hardware, which is kind of a it's a neat feature. So as far as the roadmap is concerned, we got you know the select program. We're continuing to groom that out. We're going to be announcing some of the once we finish up uh, Bitcoin Squared and it goes to mainnet, uh, we're going to start um, expanding to more exchanges. We're uh, we're working. We've signed the foundation has signed agreements with a couple of exchanges. The integration process has begun. Um, one of the things that's uh, affected our project early on since the IEO was lack of liquidity. Mm-hmm. And and we've been working in self on a project called Emmy. We just announced it Money Twenty Twenty, and um, it stands for the Ethical Market Making Exchange. And without going into detail on Emmy. Um, the website's available, em.me, if anybody wants to check it out. Mm-hmm. It's basically a liquidity protocol um, or marketplace where people can buy and sell liquidity. So now, um, instead of going to a market maker, which is what we didn't do early on, mm-hmm. um, uh, projects suffer from lack of liquidity. If they don't have liquidity, then um, it can really hurt a project. And we were a victim of that. Yeah, because we didn't feel comfortable with the market maker. There's regulatory concerns, self-dealing, yeah. all this stuff just wigged us out. So we went to work on Emmy. We've been doing it uh, for a couple of years, um, uh, and I'll, I, I, we can save Emmy for a different show. Um, obviously, we'd like to see it get integrated at some point in the coin hunt world. I know mm-hmm. that's that's been discussed. So I don't want to no, no pun intended, but I don't I don't want to front run that announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so, so the select program is, you know, culminating and we're going to continue to add things. So for example, with Emmy, we've got these tokens that could be used to secure liquidity. Mm-hmm. And when we launch Emmy, we're going to have this, you know, as founders, we get a chunk of those tokens and we can allocate a portion of those to the Veriblock Foundation, giving them this new liquidity uh, space, which is going to help underpin. And uh, we believe it's going to start to help um, uh, with our future exchange listings coincided by uh, liquidity, as well as the advent of adoption of new blockchains in a streamlined, scalable fashion. <clears throat> These are three. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. 
This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. This man has just entered the gas price madness zone, pushed over the edge by skyrocketing gas prices. The remedy? Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Hey, wait a minute. Did you just say there's a free app I can get that'll actually pay me cash back on every gallon of gas I buy? Yes. Escape the gas price madness zone with the Upside app and earn real cash back on every gallon of gas you buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough of the theatrics. Just tell me more about this Upside app. Okay. It's super easy. Just download the free app and use it whenever you buy gas. Upside users can earn hundreds of dollars in cash back. Wow. Thanks, announcer guy. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code MINUTE for an extra 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code MINUTE for a 25 cents per gallon or more bonus on your first tank. Um, mandates, like as we're doing yep. with uh, CoinHunt World. So these are all initiatives. And that's the other thing. So the select program, you adopt our technology. We knock on CoinHunt World's door and say, we want to sponsor this project to be listed on your you know, to be a part of your game and um, raise awareness with your people. And then, of course, <clears throat> what I like about the coin hunt model is, you know, we bring our project to coin hunt and we get awareness from all these new users. And then coin hunt benefits because now they've got thousands of users from mm-hmm. our community that now can play this game. So really exciting stuff in that regard. That's kind of a high level um, on the biz dev stuff. There's so many other things going on, but that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. So more exchanges, more liquidity. And then um, uh, blockchain adoption, mm-hmm. uh, those are three big, big pieces. And of course, we're growing our team. Yeah. And then um, uh, Max, do you want to talk about the roadmap from a technical perspective? Uh, sure. So <clears throat> the, uh, Justin mentioned uh, we're wrapping up with Bitcoin squared, which we refer to as a reference mm-hmm. implementation. Uh, so if you look at like CoinMarketCap and you look at all the, uh, you know, the top 200 coins or whatever, um, you know, ignoring the tokens that are you know, ERC-20s and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, those blockchains, most of them live in one of a few families of code bases, right? And so, you know, in the early days, everyone would launch a new blockchain based on the Bitcoin source code. So they take the Bitcoin source code, they change the logo, <laughs> they change yeah. the name, um, <laughs> and they change, you know, the number 21 million to something else. Right. Um, it's actually not a hard-coded constant there, but, you know, you, you get the point. They change some yeah. variables, right? Um, and so you have all these chains that uh, are based on, you know, o- only a couple different code bases. And so when you adopt Veriblock, the, the heavy lifting is really how do you integrate Veriblock's libraries, you know, the census protocol and all that. How do you integrate that into these different, right? So you have different code bases, they're in different families. And what we did is we, as Justin mentioned a little bit, we, we developed this um, reusable library uh, in C++. Yep. Uh, that made it easy to integrate it into like Bitcoin-based chains. Um, and then we, you know, wrap that library with different bindings, like we have a, a Golang uh, wrap around it for the Ethereum code base, for example. And so what we're doing is we're working on these reference implementations that show how do you integrate Veriblock correctly into these different uh, code bases, right? 
And so right now we have Bitcoin squared is our one for Bitcoin. So it just takes the vanilla Bitcoin code, integrates proof of proof, and then any other project that's based on Bitcoin, like Litecoin, your Dogecoins, you know, um, they can all look at that reference and see, oh, they made this change here, that change there. And even though their code base is a little different, it's close enough that that gives a reference for how exactly to integrate proof of chain. Um, and so we're doing uh, Bitcoin squared. That's going to go to mainnet as our Bitcoin reference implementation right now. As Justin mentioned, it's an incentivized testnet. Uh, which means basically that any Bitcoin squared you mine during this, this testnet phase is going to reflect over uh, in the Genesis block of the new mainnet when it launches. Um, we're going to do a similar thing for our Ethereum reference implementation at some point uh, a little later in the future mm-hmm. um, and bring that to mainnet as well. And so those will be you know, living, breathing blockchains that, that show kind of the best practices for how to adopt the technology and then other projects can use that uh, as a template. No, obviously, you know, we're happy to, with our development team, help projects do the integration and, um, you know, give them pointers to where, you know, where stuff is and how, how you know, if their code base is a little different, maybe how, you know, if there's a tweak or a change they have to do to it. Um, but yeah, that's the general roadmap. So we have these reference implementations around the different blockchain families. Uh, we launch them into uh, mainnet as a reference and then other projects based on that code base can look at what we did and then replicate that in their code base. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I think, I think Justin, you might've mentioned, um, that there aren't any hardware requirements to actually run Veriblock. Is that, is that w- what I was hearing? Well, for, excuse me, that's for proof of mining. So right. proof of mining is a software driven mining protocol that does require specialized hardware. Mm-hmm. And just to Where, give an example there, um, like we integrated what we call proof of proof, uh, Veriblock subsidies, pop subsidies into the Zelcor wallet. Mm-hmm. Also, anyone who's familiar, Zelcor is a is a multi wallet, uh, popular on you know Android, iOS. Uh, you can use it on desktop as well. Um, and when you send a Bitcoin transaction, we uh, worked with them to integrate proof of mining directly into their wallet. And so, if you're going to send Bitcoin uh, anyway, what you can do is because you're already paying a fee, right. you can just throw in that extra 80 bytes of, of Veriblock data and receive a Veriblock reward, right? So you pay a little extra fee on the Bitcoin transaction because there's more data in it. Um, and then you receive this this uh, transaction subsidy, quote unquote, uh, in Veriblock. And so, um, you know, that that kind of gives an example of how lightweight proof of proof mining is. You know, you can right. do it from your phone um, to run a, a Veriblock full node. You know, like most full nodes of a network, you know, you need some disk space, some bandwidth, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can kind of think of it similar to running like a Bitcoin daemon or something like that. Um, but for proof of proof mining, you don't even need to run a full node. You can just run an SPV node. Uh, that talks to the Veriblock network, talks to the Bitcoin network, and does these transactions. Uh, or if you're looking at pop mining from an alt chain perspective, you know they can just run a Veriblock lightweight wallet and do the pop transactions through that. So they don't, you don't need to run a full node necessarily to do pop mining. A lot of people do, uh, just so they have the most up to date data and it's in their control. They're not relying on another node, or, you know, mm-hmm. other nodes on the network. Um, but yeah, the the actual mining, there's no there's no hardware component. That there's no, you know, you don't need an ASIC, you don't need a GPU. You don't need a powerful computer. You just mm-hmm. need, you know, Bitcoin or Veriblock, depending on where you're doing the pop mining, uh, to pay those transaction fees. Okay. And when um, I, okay. Yep. Go ahead, Trent. No, but we we've been dominating the conversation. I think the ratio is what max like seventy to one. <laughs> Poor guy can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I just have a list here of all, all the things I, I just want to know about about um, Veriblock. But um, so I have here uh, for for Node Core. Um, so NodeCore is the actual service that runs the, the, the blockchain. Is that correct? Yeah. So NodeCore is like the, it's, it's on Veriblock, it's the equivalent of like Bitcoin D, the Bitcoin daemon. Okay. 
All right. And so is there, are there hardware requirements to actually run Veriblock? Um, pr- pretty minimal. I mean, yeah. right now, you know, you might need 30 gigs or something, 40 gigs of disk space. Okay. Um, you know, you, you could run a Veriblock node on, you know, a, a five-year-old mid-tier computer. Um, okay. You know, we've done, Veriblock does handle a, a large number of transactions. And so, you know, as Veriblock gets more adoption, obviously the, the bandwidth that a full node is going to use is going to increase. But, right. um, you know, it, it's still going to be fairly minimal. And, and you can also, in the future, you know, we can implement some sort of pruning as well to uh, kind of like on Ethereum, you know, you have your archival nodes and that, that's different than a full node. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if that does become an issue, we can always implement uh, an archival versus full node there as well but yeah it, it, full nodes you know think of it kind of like bitcoin if you want to run a bitcoin full node you know you need a, a decent computer um, but nothing crazy right okay awesome um so i guess we can i'm just going to move along topics to um, tokenomics um so why does so obviously there is a a, a veriblock token uh, but my question is why does veriblock actually need a token <laughs> that's a good question so <clears throat> the veriblock network operates as independent blockchain to do the security aggregation process mm-hmm. and so like a chain could secure itself directly to bitcoin right mm-hmm. um but it's going to be extremely expensive to do so and bitcoin fees are doing nothing but going up right um that that's the general trend and so as more right. people use bitcoin transaction fees go up and so the veriblock networks um one of its defining benefits to chains that want to inherit security from bitcoin is that that cost savings? So if you have 100 chains all secured through Veriblock, they're each taking you know a very very small por- they're paying a very very small portion of the total security budget that Veriblock is paying out to secure itself to Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. And so that native coin on the Veriblock network acts as the mechanism by which that network's incentivized because um, it does need a native token. It doesn't have you know it's not a Bitcoin sidechain or anything like that. It is its mm-hmm. own native blockchain with its own consensus and its own proof of work mining, its own proof mining. And so it needs that, uh, that coin to pay out those incentives. And then the coin also acts as a way for when all chains are all securing to Veriblock, it creates that uh, dynamic uh, fee market, right? So you have all these chains, they're all securing to Veriblock. Uh, you know, we, we, we analyze blockchain security based on their security budget, or at least that, that's one of the, the, um, the variables, right? And so if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin emits, you know, 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's its security budget. Each hour, um, you know, it multiplies 6.25 by 6 by the price of Bitcoin. And that's its budget per hour. And every, every blockchain has a security budget. A lot of them are a lot smaller than Bitcoins. Um, but what, what Veriblock does is it allocates a portion of that security budget mm-hmm. into paying for these transactions on the Veriblock network that secure that chain. So... You know, a chain might split, you know, for example, Veriblock splits 50-50. And so mm-hmm. proof-of-work miners who create the blocks get 50% of the rewards, and the proof-of-proof miners who secure those blocks to Bitcoin get 50% of the rewards. And all chains will determine their that split based on, you know, their own economics, how big they are, how many other chains are using Veriblock, and how much they're paying. Um, but it's basically, it creates this dynamic fee market where projects compete for space in the Veriblock blockchain. That's what creates the the scarcity of this, these security publications, if they were free to do, then people would do trillions of them. And, and you know, you'd need a, a data center to run a full node, right? Mm-hmm. And so that fee market behavior, the limited size of the Veriblock chain, and then acts as that, that native incentive mechanism. I see. Okay. Um, so 
a little bit more on the on the token. Um, so the other day I tried, well, when I, when I first heard of, um, that we were going to be doing this, I tried to, you know, jump on to my centralized exchange that I have and, and try to purchase it. But unfortunately, you know, I mean, this is on your roadmap to try to try to get onto more, uh, exchanges, but, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't buy it. Um, so why don't you just tell people, um, you know, what the simple is a little bit about the token. So, uh, I'll, I'll jump in here, Max, if yeah. you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, that's been, you know, one of the one of the big things that's really um, been a frustrating experience for our community is, you know, the inability, you know, to get liquidity as we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. And liquidity uh, comes in different forms, right? Obviously, more exchanges uh, would mean more liquidity, more solution project. Um, and there's a lot of people who've been unable to uh, purchase the project. So we were we 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 were founded in Cayman Islands, and there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty in the United States. Yeah, and you know a lot of other projects are going to take you know grave risks, um, and we see some of those things coming back to haunt them even years later. Projects from 2017 and 18, even 16. Mm-hmm. So um, just because somebody hasn't knocked on your door doesn't mean that they're not going to knock on your door. And we really try to. Um, you know, I, I, I serve as an executive uh, committee member with the Chamber of Digital Commerce, and it's um, kind of a, a, a pseudo, um, not a pseudo, it's, a, it's an initiative around um, helping policymakers uh, navigate crypto and make better laws and, and help, uh, help write regulations. It's a great organization. I, I think yeah. if people really want to understand where things are going, it's a great resource. They publish so much great information. They're doing an amazing job. So we get to work with, um, you know, um, tier one uh, former regulators and really gain insights. So now that we've been more than two years, um, you know, we call that kind of a baking period. Mm-hmm. And with the advent of our reference implementation, uh, we've added a many different layers of decentralization. We, we formed our foundation. We've, we're moving assets. Um, and we're checking all these boxes, right? That makes us more um, listing friendly. And we, we want to make sure that we optimize around best practices. So we, we don't consider ourselves a security, but we, we try to behave like we are, you know, listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Like yeah. how, what would be the principles you have to adhere to? So just as a rule, we try to do best practices. And, you know, in the Wild West, um, you know, when you're, when you're following the rules, you, you maybe you're not going to acquire as much um, resources, <laughs> right. but, you know, I, I'd rather adhere to best practices and, and play the same game and really build value and do things foundationally underneath. And then new initiatives like any, um, you know, that can circle back and add value to the community right. and solve the problem. So one of the things, uh, Trent, that's important to understand, and this is important for your um, audience uh, and I can tell you this firsthand as a, as a project, um, liquidity is, is super important. So mm-hmm. if we're going to go and list on, say, five exchanges, the, uh, vi- the financial requirements to do that becomes quite extraordinary because mm-hmm. each exchange is going to require that you post up money mm-hmm. uh, and hire their market makers. Um, just to give you some round numbers, I mean, you could be talking about uh, 250 to a half million dollars for a mid-sized project. A smaller project is, 
you know, 50 to 100,000, 25 to 50,000. And you can churn through that in a month. Right. So, and then you're trusting a third party. You don't know if they're front running. There's so much. And then there's, you know, there could be self-dealing. There's so many implications that can bite you. It's just not worth it. So, again, that's where any comes from. But so going to more exchanges without liquidity and without your adoption cycle happening, it's just a futile effort. All you're going to do is burn capital that you're going to, you're going to really need that gas for a later time. And as, as representatives uh, for a foundation that wants to see the project grow, mm-hmm. you know, we want to, we want to make sure that when we deploy capital, that it's going to be done in a, a truly constructive and practical manner. Not, you, you can't let the tail wag the dog, right? So obviously people want to see it on more exchanges, but if you don't have the catalyst, i.e. adoption, Mm-hmm. then interest will wane, liquidity will dry up, and then all those bullets of that dry powder was used for nothing. Where um, we've taken a different approach. We want to be very strategic so that when we go on an exchange, we don't want to get listed and then delisted and you know, burn through capital. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not going to create long-term value for yeah. the project. We, we, so that, that's something we really struggled to overcome. And we, we were really happy about you know, finally announcing Emmy and getting that rolling out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, cause then now, now we compare that, you know, one of the things about Emmy that makes it special for Veriblock is that, you know, we're talking to tier one uh, exchanges. Uh, Bittrex is an investor yeah. um, and, and an advi- Bill's an advisor to Emmy. Yeah. So when you can get, um, you know, exchange partners who benefit from, from more trading because we're, inst- we're instigating trading on their platforms with mm-hmm. our, our platform. Mm-hmm. So it's a net positive for them. So now we're getting on, you know, first name basis with major tier one exchanges that are showing an interest in Emmy. Well, that can't hurt Veriblock for its future promise of getting listed. Right. And that's kind of been our strategy all along. And it's, it's been kind of closed lips, don't talk about it, didn't want to, you know, didn't want to show our hand. Uh, but it's been frustrating because the community has been frustrated. And now for the first time in two and a half years, this last, I'd say this last four to six months, we're seeing continued net positivity in our Discord channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the criticisms are waning and it's turning into optimism. And, you know, things like Coin Hunt World uh, coming to fruition after you know, months of discussions and development mm-hmm. and, and, and to be the first, uh, uh, you know, project that's being integrated. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's truly an honor. It's, you know, we're very humbled by that. Mm-hmm. And these are catalysts that are going to help raise awareness around the project. And um, there's all sorts of novel uh, ideas we can do to, you know, to simulate in-game activity, like maybe doing proof-of-proof transactions from within the game. So there's all sorts of cool stuff. Um, that, that we can do. But um, yeah, so more exchanges definitely on the horizon, but you've got to get everything timed right. You've got to be strategic about it. And, and you want to be really, you know, like they say, uh, what was, I, I don't remember, it's a famous quote, uh, don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes, right? right. So that's kind of, that's kind of our, our sentiment right now. And it's, it's, been, it's been a long two and a half years, but to see things finally culminating, uh, you know, rebranding of our website, um, engaging more exchanges and starting to get these agreements in place, getting the integrations done. Uh, you know, our first all chain is going to be um, turning the flywheel of, of uh, value. Right. Um, and then as, as more projects join 
the Veriblock ecosystem, if the price goes higher on Veriblock, what happens is more people do proof of proof transactions up to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And this is where things get interesting. If the price climbs higher, then more people are going to do proof of proof transactions to earn Veriblock. And they're willing to spend more on transaction fees on Bitcoin to do so. Mm-hmm. So let, let's just give you an example. Um, today, on average, even with our price where it is, we represent um, on, a, on a good day, you know, 10% of all Bitcoin transactions globally. Wow. Um, on a bad day, it's still two, you know, two to three percent. And those those numbers go much higher. Now, what happens is we get a lot of people upset, mostly the maximalists, and we understand that. But that's not a discussion I'm gonna. I'm happy to have that discussion in a different format, at a different time. But fundamentally, what happens is I'm no maximalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it is what it is. Like if we've written something that breaks Bitcoin, then great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. You know, that's we should be paid a bounty for that. Our protocol is, is unique in that, you know, the higher our price goes, the more space we take in Bitcoin. And with Bitcoin growing in popularity and having a worldwide awareness and presence, what do you think happens when we're taking 20% of the Bitcoin block? Well, institutions are going to take notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exchanges are going to take notice. Uh, maximalists are going to take notice. People are going to say, what's this project taking 20, 30% of the Bitcoin block? So that's, that's, un, that's unearned media that you would get. Um, we were featured in Forbes magazine prior to our IEO mm-hmm. because of these type of statistics. So imagine like how much bigger the audience is for Bitcoin at 60,000 than it was at you know, 6,000 or 4,000 when we did our IEO. And that's, that's an exciting opportunity. So that flywheel starts to turn. And as the price goes higher, we take up more space on the Bitcoin, then more people hear about us, and then more people might, might want to get involved in the project right. and the community grows. So we've been waiting patiently to get all these things in place and kind of light the wick. And, um, and I, I, th- I think our best days are ahead of us. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so just for the listeners out there who are, are trying to get info for um, <clears throat> some of the uh, questions that might be coming to Coin Hunt World, um, I've been giving I've been given somewhat of a small list of items. Uh, obviously, they're trying to hide the actual questions from me, but uh, I could probably guarantee you that you know your token simple will be one of the questions, which is VBK. Um, if you want to try to find that, um, I'm looking on Coin Market Cap, and it's here. Um, so Obviously, um, the uh, max supply will all also be a question, uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, is two point two point one billion. Is that, is that correct? Model that, yeah, that was kind of a, a, an ode to bitcoins. Twenty one million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we wanted to we wanted to try to align with that. I like that. And um, another one of the things I have to tick off here is the wallets that actually support. Um, Veriblock, and I couldn't find a list. Um, so if if you do know the wallets um, that that support Veriblock, that would be nice to know. Well, we've got oh, yeah, right now, as far as uh, Go ahead, Max. 
Sure. Uh, right now, as far as wallets, we have the um, you know the original kind of reference. Uh, there's a wallet built into Nodecore. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to run a full node, uh, we have an SPV wallet uh, that just connects to the network, kind of like a uh, Bitcoin SPV wallet, similar similar paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're also in uh, a Zellcore, which is that third party wallet I mentioned earlier, does uh, pop subsidies. Yeah. So those are the wallet options right now. We uh, one of the things on the roadmap would be, you know, to do more integrations with, uh, you know, other wallets that people want to use. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, right now Zellcore as a third party, and then we have the two uh, open source wallets that we developed. Right on. Um, so I know you guys mentioned the um, the Veriblock Foundation. I just want to. Could you just tell me a little bit about the Veriblock Foundation and, and kind of what they do? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the Veriblock Foundation. Uh, we formed it uh, earlier this year in May, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> the the purpose of the foundation is basically to continue to support and uh, you know develop the product. And it, it's a it's a Cayman Foundation. It's not controlled by any one person or, or a corporate entity. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of similar in some ways to a lot of the other crypto foundations um, that you know just have a goal of. You know, funding ongoing development, paying for integrations with party services, that be you know exchanges, wallets, whatever. Um, you know, continuing to to champion for the technology, put out educational material. Um, you know, make the the product easier for people to use, increase awareness and adoption of the technology itself. Uh, the Veriblock Foundation, uh, you know, is part of what we what we and, and the rest of the, the foundation members. Uh, you know, we'll we'll do a lot of security research in the space uh, we released a, uh, a, a an exploit disclosure for uh, Ethereum classic uh, mm-hmm. they implemented a, um, a new attempt uh, at solving the the double spend problem and the, a technology that they called mess and there were security issues with it that we privately disclosed to them uh, and then after uh, you know an eight or nine month responsible disclosure window we you know, published that uh, out through the foundation as well so a lot of industry research, um, anything that helps the project, uh, funding initiative, um, and then the foundation is going to kind of organically grow along with the community to set up committees with members to do certain things, um, whether that be you know biz dev initiatives, uh, you know getting chains to adopt the technology, uh, whether that be you know integrating with third parties, uh, all, all of that sort of stuff. So the foundation really is now operating and running the project uh, kind of autonomously. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it gives the project that additional, you know, decentralization and, um, you know, easier to, to get things done. Right. Um, so I know, obviously, you have the partnership with CoinHunt World. Um, is there any other partnerships that the, the, the foundation has? Yeah, we're, um, good question. Um, projects, we're super well connected in the space. Um, you know, Anthony Diorio, uh, co-founder of Ethereum, one yep. of the earliest backers. Uh, he's an advisor and a friend. Um, so we've, you know, we've, do, we've partnered with Decentral on some things. They, they had some initiatives uh, early on and we're very supportive of the project. Uh, you know, I, I know Anthony's gone different directions, more toward philanthropy and he's got other endeavors, but um, always, always supportive, always willing to help make introductions. Uh, we're also, we, we strategically um, made an investment in Vesper, yeah. which is a project led um, by Jeff Garzik and, and Matthew Rozak, a couple of big names in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, project's done well. We've learned a lot from it. Um, th- th- there's a lot of um, 
knowledge that we've acquired that's, you know, kind of helped set the stage for Emmy uh, around the senior contract initiatives, et cetera. And um, so we've, we've made an investment with Vesper and we're also strategic advisors to them. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we've uh, partnered with uh, Chamber of Digital Commerce. Yep. Uh, Vera Block is an executive uh, member. It's the highest tier and gives us great access to some wonderful people in the space that are really helping you know, form the landscape legislatively. That's a huge opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, because we're based in uh, Cayman Islands, uh, there's an organization that kind of does a similar thing on behalf of uh, Canadians. It's called uh, Digital Cayman, and we're uh, part of the steering committee uh, with that initiative. And again, we get to see front row seat to, you know, proposed regulations and legislation. Mm-hmm. And we get to get our voice in there, which is, a uh, uh, it's an honor. It's, it's humbling, but, um, you know, we, we've got firsthand experience of where the friction lies in trying to regulate the uncertain landscape, um, navigate rather an uncertain regulatory landscape. And then Zelcor is a wallet partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're partners with Block um, as an investor. Um, FBG is another um, a project that uh, invested. Um, Oshen, our advisors, uh, really a well-curated team of right. you know, top thought leaders in the space. And now that we're at this level, we can really start to you know, tap their shoulders and ask for favors and yeah. really... Um, that's that's really helpful to have that to have that cachet of uh, that that cadre rather of you know connected people in the space who've only become more you know as, as things get bigger and better they've only gotten bigger and better so right. it's, it's it's open great doors for us um, uh, so yeah meals are max who, who have i missed we've got a ton of different partnerships but then also metronome uh max is um he does some technical things for them as a trusted member of their community mm-hmm. for um, uh, doing certain transactions and whatnot. And I'll let you speak to that if you want to touch on Metronome and Vesper. Um, and also um, uh, Titan, uh, one of another Titan, one of yes. blocks initiatives. And Titan's a Thank you. Cool. They're, uh, I, I believe they're the first KYC AML compliant North American school. Uh, and that, that's just as a side note, something that, you know, a couple of years ago we, we all talked about kind of coming down the, uh, the pipeline, right? As regulations are applied to mining. Um, yeah. You know, can, yeah, can mine transactions from addresses that are on the OFAC sanctions list, right? Stuff like that. And um, so one of the things that with Titan, we're a strategic investor. They've also to uh, ensure that at least one Vera block pop transaction gets into every Bitcoin block they mine. Um, the benefit of that being, you know, uh, one of the things we didn't really talk about yet with Vera block is the benefit that it gives to Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. We touched briefly on the eco-friendly piece of it, but, um, you know, normally when you look at a lot of the narratives around Bitcoin and chains, you know, th- there's this general belief that all chains are, you know, they, they take away value from Bitcoin, right? Okay. And instead of all the money going into Bitcoin, all the interest, all the innovation, you know, now you have all these, all these all chains that people are on, they you know, see that as a detraction. Sure. Um, and so with, with proof of proof and Veriblock, because it all ultimately goes back up to Bitcoin, Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is now able to capture, Bitcoin miners especially, are now able to capture some of that value of the entire all-chain ecosystem because those all-chains are all paying homage basically to Bitcoin in the form of uh, increasing, <clears throat> you know, paying for those Bitcoin pop transactions, paying higher fees, which benefits miners. And so miners 
you know, we believe that once, you know, Veriblock's more widely known and understood, uh, the Bitcoin miners are actually going to be uh, major supporters of the protocol because it gives them a way to derive value from this entire all-chain ecosystem. So partnering with Titan and having them, you know, endorse the technology and also, you know, include these pop transactions in the Bitcoin blocks guaranteed uh, just helps to kind of solidify that, that support from the Bitcoin mining community, these types of protocols. Yeah, for sure. So, and it also helps, you know, they're winning, let's say they're winning, I don't know, let's make up a number one out of every 10 blocks. Mm-hmm. That ensures that out of one, it, it, no matter what, one out of every 10 Bitcoin blocks will include a proof of proof transaction. So it's an endorsement to our project. And, um, and it also helps uh, ensure that, you know, POP transactions will be included, thus helping to secure the uh, blockchains that participate in the VeriBlock network ecosystem. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a pretty big deal. So the Titans, and, and they're a great team. Uh, Ryan over there is doing an amazing job. Um, you know, Vesper's got a great team. So, you know, we get to access not just the, um, the benefits from the, from, the, from the relationships, but, you know, just gaining awareness about what's going on, what's moving in the space, what's coming up ahead. It really gives us kind of a front row seat to, make decisions about how to best manage and navigate uh, in areas where we contribute to the Veriblock project. It is a decentralized project, but, you know, we, we do consider ourselves obviously major influencers of it. Um, But yeah, so it's, we get so much more than just the relationships. There's true friendships there. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, for example, I mean, Max and I been invited to some amazing dinners where we've, you know, got to break bread with, uh, you know, CZ of Binance and, and um, uh, I, I don't want to drop names, but it, it just really interesting, cool people mm-hmm. that yeah. I wouldn't, would have never dreamed. And that's, so it's, it's kind of like, there's a lot of pinch me moments because you yeah. realize like, and we're all doing that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's people that whose lives have been changed by crypto and yep. it's an exciting time. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's an exciting time. So yeah, that's, Titan is a great one, They're a great partner. So I'm surprised I missed it. For sure. Um, so a lot of people in the Coin Hunt World community um, have gotten to know Bill, Bill Shahara, and you know his well his screen name or in-game name for us. We all know him as Cuckoo Puffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people refer to him as Cuckoo Puffs, but um, you know, obviously, uh, he, he founded the game and you know is bankrolling it and. Um, a lot of people, you know, look up to someone like that. Um, I just want to know kind of what does it mean to have him on your side as like a partner or like a, a part of your team? Oh, it's a major pain in the ass. I can just tell you. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. No, Bill's, yeah. Bill's best, you know. What's kind of cool is we all got to know each other before anybody had, you know, been, you know had their projects launched, right? I mean, Bitrix right. was just starting and... um so it's just getting a chance to know people before they're in a different place is, is always mm-hmm. a huge advantage because mm-hmm. we, we all remember when. Right. Um, so yeah, but it's great because he's, you know, he's operating at a different level mm-hmm. and he's been a you know, huge supporter of Aeroblock, um, very good to us, uh, you know, when he was going at the exchange, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't have a lot of volume right now. So the fact that we're still on the exchange is this huge testimony of the support that they're giving the project. Yeah. Uh, that's soon to change. Um, 
in the sense that we're, we're going to be solving our liquidity problem. Right. And uh, he's, I think, I think Bill's a great guy. I mean, I've spent time with him. We've broken bread together. Um, funny, smart, um, and, and always supportive. I can't, there's, there's really nothing you can say bad about Bill. Right. He's, right. he's been great to us. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, we're, we're up on about an hour and 20 minutes here, so I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll close it off, but uh, just before we go, I want to just, uh, I want you to get, or let people know, you know, where they can find, you know, you guys get your contact information or, you know, like the websites, um, and all, and all the details for, for one of the average listeners. Our, our front rows would be our discord channel. Um, and, uh, we're, and then the, the, obviously veriblock.org, uh, V-E-R-I-B-L-O-C-K.org. Um, we've recently redone the website. There's good content in there. We've got our wiki. Uh, you can basically see the roadmap, our press releases, events that we've done. You can watch videos from presentations that we've done to mm-hmm. you know, help understand the project more. Um, but yeah, Discord is where a lot of the activity is. Uh, we've just found that to be a, a forum that we can manage well. Um, uh, but yeah, we'd love to have you guys come in. And I yeah. was thinking, Max, we, we got to do something for uh, Trent, uh, for having us on the show. Maybe, maybe we get him a pile of coins he can share with his <laughs> constituents. And then you could like share them with like people that, you know, do calls with you or whatever. You can do something with your community members. Your listeners. Oh, that, would, maybe there's... that would be awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Since you can't buy it, at least we'll get you exactly. some coins, right? That's what All I was right, thinking. Fair enough. I tried. Yeah, we're happy to donate something to your listeners. Yeah, and, I, I and obviously they're that. gamers. Yeah, they do too. Yeah. Um. So all the links I'll put down in in the description below uh, for everybody to check out. But yeah, again, guys, I just want to thank you for coming on. You guys are making Coin Hunt World history. Um, you'll go down in the record books. So um, yeah, I just want to I just want to thank you for uh, what you're doing over at uh, Veriblock and what you what you've done for the Coin Hunt World scene too as well. Yeah, and I I think that. Um, you're probably one of the most uh, patient listeners I've ever had the privilege of being interviewed with, but I appreciate your time and having us on the show and, you know, supporting the project and supporting coin world. I think it's a cool initiative. Um, Obviously the timing with COVID worked out pretty well. People had something to do to take their mind off of (laughs) what was going on there and earn some crypto. So yeah. Awesome. You know, I think we talked about this earlier trying to be kind of interesting I have not played Coin World yet, and yeah. nor has Max. Mm-hmm. So we're going to download the game, and we're going to fully engage, and we're going to resurrect our, our gaming bones. Yeah. And um, so you guys are going to see us in the game, and we'll let you know who we are when we form everything. And it'd be yeah. fun to come back and you know share with your listeners, and maybe we do like some giveaways or something. We're thinking yeah. about making some yeah. block uh, QB plushy toys. Maybe we'll give some of those Ooh. away, some T-shirts. That would be awesome. Yes, there would definitely be a follow-up, especially if you dig into the game. I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear uh, the insights you have there, uh, especially coming from past gamers or, or current gamers. You know, there's always love there. So, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna, <laughs> and I'll, I'll purposely, I'll only grab a couple BBK. I'll leave it for everybody else, but we'll, we'll go after <laughs> all the other coins. Well, actually, I think the VBK will only be available in the UK. Um, so unless you're over there, then uh, you'll only be getting uh, Bitcoin and Ether. But 
um, those are still okay. those are still pretty solid. <laughs> Sounds like we need to get on a plane. <laughs> yes, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I, I was I was trying to buy some, right? Couldn't buy them, and then they tell me it's oh, it's in the UK only. It's like oh my gosh. <laughs> we're, we're we're selling that conundrum. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be good stuff. Good stuff yeah. ahead. This this is kind of a a big step for us to be in the coin hunt world. We're kind of mm-hmm. coming out of uh, kind of this um this this winter this development winter we're coming out of it and tim tim stall and the community and our dev team is doing an amazing job I, I honestly i don't know how they do it it's the hardest most complex science i've ever had to listen to in my life these guys are amazing <laughs> got a great team yeah for sure absolutely all well, right guys is there, anything, yeah. is, is there anything we can do to help uh your show is there anything we can do for you or your or your listeners that, that obviously some tokens but um coins is there anything else we can do? Obviously, share it on social and whatnot. But you know if there's what? anything that yeah. I'll, I'll jump into your guys' Discord and uh, I'll just I'll let them know that there's a there's a podcast available. How about that? <laughs> they can, they can check out the podcast and get get some more content. Content. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll jump offline and we'll we'll do some stuff. And then if there's any of our advisors that you think would make an interesting guest, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. For, I know for Coin Hunt World, any projects that we're affiliated with, we're going to try to get them, you know, like Vesper and uh, Metronome, you know, and obviously Titan, if they launch a token, we'd love to see it in the game. So we'll we'll lobby for that. Um, but if there's anybody on our advisory board that you think could be an interesting guest that, that you'd like to have on the show, we'd, we'd love to try to help you with that as well. Awesome. I will keep in touch then. How about that? All right, man. Just, hey, I appreciate your time, Sean. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. I appreciate I appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks, Justin and Max. You bet. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.